0: do grab one of the Bibles in front of you. Um, We'll be looking today at Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13, um, and that's on page 1030 in the Church Bibles. That's page 1030, Luke chapter 4. Jesus When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time.
1: Thank you. You know, what goes on in our hearts, what goes on in our minds, really matters to God. It matters because that's where rebellion first takes place. It matters because actually God wants to know that we are his, that we belong to him. Thoughts will come to us day in and day out. And one of the key things that we have to learn to do is be able to discern the source of those thoughts, whether they are from God or whether they are from the devil. You know, in these first few chapters of Luke, it seems to me one of the things that Luke has managed to do very, very successfully is make it very clear that this man, this, this Jesus, he, he isn't just God. He is very much man. And it's almost as if he, he, he's saying, Dear Theophilus, I could have started my orderly account of things at a point where Jesus has started his ministry. And I could have focused on uh, the, the, the wise teachings that he gave, the, the wonderful miracles that he wrought. But actually a full and orderly account means I have to write an introduction that might actually not sit so well with some. Because this Jesus, who you know to be God, and quite rightly so, he is 100% God. He is also 100% man. And this is something that is quite tricky for us to get our minds around. That our perfect Lord and Savior might have had the same sort of thoughts that come through my mind. It starts to get... A little tricky. We're going to read about and learn about a person who never carries out a selfish act. Never. Now, I don't have three points for you this, this, this evening. I don't have three points. I, I only have one. One thing for you to take away, one thing for you to remember for the coming week, and it's this. To whom do you belong? To whom do you belong? Because when it comes down to it, real humanity is about this struggle. This struggle between man and God. Uh, Do I belong to God? Or am I my own God? Because if I belong to God, I will follow his ways. I will be obedient to him. Even when it doesn't appear to gain me, I will be obedient to him. But if I'm my own God, I'll decide what's right and what's wrong. What I will and won't do. What I need and what I don't need. If I belong to God, then I will, I will justify things earnestly through his Spirit through, through his word. But if I am my own God, I will justify things by my feelings, by my personal circumstances. And this is what it comes down to. From the time that Adam fell from grace up until today, when temptation comes, the question that needs to be asked and answered is this. To whom do you belong? To whom do you belong? So let's turn to Luke chapter 4 verse 1. And the first thing we're told is that Jesus is led by the Spirit up into the wilderness. Uh, And he stays there for 40 days and 40 nights. Now it's interesting, this number 40, it actually seems to be quite significant in uh, in the Old Testament. And, and if you do a bit of a search, you, you find that in the flood, Noah and the ark, it, it rains for 40 days and 40 nights. Nineveh are given 40 days to repent. Moses is in the mountain before receiving the tablets of stone for 40 days and 40 nights. The Israelites are in the wilderness, in the desert, for 40 years. This period of 40 always seems to be associated with a, some deep cleansing, some, some preparation, some testing. And at the end of that 40, that period of 40, comes something that is prepared, prepared for what God intends it to be prepared for. So I don't believe it's a coincidence that our Lord and Savior, just before he starts, what is going to be the greatest ministry this world is ever going to see, I don't believe it's a coincidence that he goes, not for two days and two nights, not for six months, but for 40 days and 40 nights. It's significant. It's a period of testing. It's a period of preparation. And what comes out of the other end is ready. For God's service. Now, as we go through some of these temptations, I want you to try to bear this in mind. Bear in mind that Jesus is preparing to start the greatest ministry this world has ever seen. Try, try to bear this in mind. And, and try to bear in mind that as well as him being God, he's also very much man and the same sorts of thoughts that might come to us as men and women, who are in a position where you might be starting a great ministry, those sorts of thoughts may come to Jesus as well. So let's, let's start off with verse 3, the first of his temptations. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones Become bread. Now, when you read this at first, you think this sounds pretty innocuous. You think, you know, he's a bit hungry, he's been fasting. There's nothing wrong with feeding yourself. But but just read the words again. If you are the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. Notice that actually. Jesus is being tested here about his identity and about his use of power. That's what is actually being tested here. It's not about whether he's going to eat or not. It's about his identity. Prove that you are the Son of God and convert this this stone into, into bread. So on the surface it seems innocent enough And it's not a sin to to meet one's physical needs. That's not a sin. It's a good thing. But the way we do things is important to God. Obedience to God is important. And remember, the point of this temptation is actually to prove his identity. But here's the point. Jesus spots the source of this temptation. He spots that it's the tempter. And he responds, not from his own feelings, like like I might. He responds not, not by justifying his circumstances, but with Scripture. And he says, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. It's as if God says to him, my son, to whom do you belong? And he answers, my my physical needs are secondary. I belong to the Father. Let's go on to verses 5 and 6 where we see the second of his temptations. The devil led him up to a a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Now the first thing I want you to note here is he's taken into a mountain. I I don't know, is this a vision that um, Satan is, is giving him? I don't know. But I can almost see you're hungry. You're lulled into maybe even potentially a false sense of security. Because here, the mountaintop tends to refer, in the Old Testament anyway, a place of prayer, a place of God's presence. And at this mountaintop, a shortcut is offered to Jesus. Jesus. That he can obtain the kingdoms of this world now, if you 're about to start the world 's greatest world 's greatest greatest um, mission, and you want to influence as many people as you possibly can, and you 're given dominion over a whole load of kingdoms, actually, this might be quite an interesting proposition. Jesus is actually seeking to establish a kingdom on this earth. A kingdom that is influenced by his message. But this kind of kingdom that Satan's offering is not the kingdom that Jesus is after. And certainly, Jesus can have no part of any kingdom that is ruled over by Satan. And so again, he quotes from Scripture, from Deuteronomy. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. It's as if God says, Son, to whom do you belong? And He answers, there is only one to be served. I belong to the Father. Verses 9 to 11, we'll read the, the third and final temptation. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Do you know one... one preacher once said to me, the way that Satan works is, is to tell the truth with a lying motive. I think that's a pretty accurate way of actually describing what's going on here. Jesus is led to the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem, the place where his earthly ministry is actually going to, going to end. And the devil, again, questions his identity, if, if you are the Son of God. But notice what he does here. There's, not, there's nothing untruthful about this. He quotes Scripture. This is Scripture. He quotes. And it's another shortcut. It's another shortcut that's offered to Jesus, the man that's about to start the world's greatest mission. It's a tempting offer, if you think about it, because what a way to launch a brand new ministry. Just imagine this. God's word is true. God's word is true, and he is the Messiah. And if he did climb to the top of the temple, cast himself off, God would indeed send his angels and catch him. Now, imagine this, doing that. In full view of everybody in Jerusalem. And they see God's angels catch him. What an incredible way to start your ministry. Because all the work of proving that you're the Messiah is kind of done there and then, isn't it? Interesting offer, sin. Interesting. But, Jesus responds again from the Word of God, Do not put your Lord, your God, to the test. Not only is Jesus not prepared to prove himself in the wrong way, He's not going to ask the Father to prove himself either. And you know, it strikes me that even, even at the cross, Jesus is challenged by bystanders who say, you know, If he's the Son of God... Well, get God to bring him down from the cross then. And he resists the temptation to to call on his God to take him down and save him. His obedience to the Father goes right through to death. It's perfect. And in answer to the question, my son... To whom do you belong? Jesus says, I have a purpose. I am a servant king. I was born to die for the redemption of mankind. I am not my own. I belong to the Father. Now, I must have read these scriptures. i don't know how many times but there's several things that struck me as I read this this time round and the first thing that struck me is this that temptation the temptation we face uh, does not always look evil in fact it can look pretty attractive We've read passages of Scripture where Jesus feeding himself or promoting his ministry would have been an act of disobedience because the motive was wrong. Because it didn't follow in God's order and law. And we face the same sort of challenges every single day. Temptation that doesn't really look like temptation. It actually looks like it's a good thing. Let me give you some examples. I I know um, a a few of of my Christian friends um, who, who have a desire to present God as the God of love, which he is. He is a God of love. But they don't want to present the God of justice and judgment. Now, we have to know that to present God in just this single face is to distort who God is. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice and judgment. Do not be afraid to share who God is, the full understanding of God. To whom do you belong? Or let's let's think of another example. We You and I know there are passages of scripture that are pretty difficult. And the temptation is to either ignore them or maybe find a way of explaining them because they don't really fit in twenty first century Cambridgeshire. They don't feel comfortable. Don't be afraid. To whom do you belong? We mustn't be tempted to water down, to to explain away the truth of the Word of God. And it sounds like, and might seem like, we're doing a good thing. We're not. We're being disobedient. One more example that I can think of. You know, sometimes uh, we want to do something good, don't we? We want to help someone. Uh, If we're the sort of person that wants to help someone, but actually when we don't get the response that we expect, we don't get the thank you, the pat on the back, and we're quite upset about that, we may need to just seek out the source of our temptation, what what is driving what we're doing? Temptation doesn't always look dirty and evil; it can look quite attractive, like you're doing the right thing. But actually, it is still from the tempter. Be careful. Which leads me to my my second um, reflection: know the source the force and the course of temptation the source the force and the course of temptation i wish i could tell you i made that up i didn't i stole it okay i'm not ashamed but the source i hope you understand that the god we serve he he will test us and at the other side of that testing will will come out a person who is better equipped for service But I hope you understand that that's very, very different to being tempted to do something sinful. That is the job of the tempter, the devil. Know the source, the source, the source of temptation to do evil is, is definitely the evil one. And my advice is, don't try to nurture these thoughts in your head and use your own reasoning. Be like our Lord and Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and use the Word of God to quash the source. And then the force. You know, for us, quite often our reaction might be to try and wrestle with temptation, uh, in our own strength. And I want to remind you, Christchurch family, that actually this thing that we're in, this warfare that we're in, is actually even more spiritual than it is physical. You know, Satan knows that if we try to fight temptation based on our own strength, we're going to fail. And that's exactly what he wants. Use God's Word. Discern. Use His Spirit. And in the course of sin. Do you want to know why there is so much hurt? Do you, do you want to know why even in even the church people might hurt one another? Why there are uh, family breakups? Why... Why there's disease? Why there's hatred? Why there's racism? Why there's war and rumors of war? Why? Because I tell you, from Adam to now, at some point, a thought came to each one of us, and we chose to deal with it in the most selfish of ways and forget about God. This is why we have the problems our world faces. Understand the course of temptation. It starts off with a uh, a thought in the mind. And then if we're not careful, we start to reason with it. We start to nurture it. Meanwhile, that thought came from the evil one. We've got to discern first and put it to death. You know, one of the things that I thought to myself when I, when I was reading this is our Lord struggles with temptation just like we struggle with temptation. We can have a true advocate in Jesus Christ because he went through all of this and he did not sin. But here's the thing. He did have his struggles. And one of the things I want to just remind you of that seems to stick out in my mind, and I wonder if it sticks out in yours, I think there was particular struggles that he had. And when I think back, you do you remember that passage of Scripture that talks about Jesus explaining to his disciples how he must die? And at the end of that talk that he gives to his disciples, Peter comes up to him, takes him aside, and rebukes him. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Do you remember this? Get behind me, Satan. And I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says, what you're talking about are the things of man. They're not the things of God. And I always thought to myself, that seems rather harsh. That seems rather harsh. And then there's the incident... In the Garden of Gethsemane, where where Jesus is praying to his Father. uh, And he says, if it is possible, let this cup pass. That's stark. And it dawns on me. It dawns on me that our Lord truly does struggle with temptation. But you know what? A temptation that he struggled with. It wasn't so much this amassing lots of wealth women wine what his struggle was was is there another way is there another way other than dying this horrible criminal death is there another way and the lord says if the lord says to him god his father says to him to whom Do you belong? And he says, it's not my will, but your will be done. I belong to the Father. What goes on in our hearts, what goes on in our minds, the deepest parts of our being, it really matters to God. It matters because there is where we might just sin. We might just start to pull away from God. It's in the deepest parts of us that the battleground is. It's in the, deep, the deepest parts of us that the decision is made whether we belong to God or whether we have decided that we are our own God. In the deepest parts of our being we decide that long before the act of sin is carried out inside here, deep inside here We've decided. That is why God sees the condition of our hearts as the most important thing. So understand this. When a thought comes to you, Christ Church family, the first thing we must do is discern where is that thought coming from? Pause and think to yourself. To whom do I belong? And like our Lord and Savior, be able to answer and say, I am not my own. I belong to the Father. Let us pray. Lord God, we know your word to be true. We know your word to be Strengthening to us, we pray that you will uplift us in these coming, this coming days, weeks, and months, and that we may remember your instruction. Go with us as we seek to get closer to you. Bless and keep us in the name of Jesus Christ,
0: our Lord. Amen.